Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of DPH Clinical. I got the guys from Colorado Surgical Institute with me, Dr. Tahir Dune and Dr. Dan Brisky. And we've got a special guest. His name is Ryan Hrola, and he is a CRNA, and he's going to talk to us about all sorts of sedation stuff. What the heck is going on, guys? How you guys doing? What's up? What's up, man? What up, Rola? So Ryan actually has as big a biceps as Mark Costas does. Oh, man. I want right to be now. known for that. Yeah. So Ryan, let's jump to you, man. We're talking about sedation. Ryan is a CRNA. I guess if somebody doesn't know what that is, why don't you talk about what is that credential? Sure. So CRNA is a certified registered nurse anesthetist. It's similar route to anesthesiologists, except you go the nursing course instead of medical. So it's about the exact same amount of training. I was a nurse. I went to nursing school. You have to work in a level one trauma ICU for at least two years before you get into school for anesthesia. Then once you get into school for anesthesia, that program is anywhere from two to four years. The last two years of my training, I basically just worked for free. I was just a free labor guy. You know, I got to teach anesthesia residents as well as other colleagues at that point. It's just a great path to go if you want to look into the nursing route. But we do the same thing that an anesthesiologist does. And in the state of Colorado, we get to practice solely on our own. We don't have any supervision. So I get to act as my own anesthesia provider. So TRNAs, are they typically traveling like from place to place like as private contractors or what do typically they do? Typically, they work in hospitals. They just work in the OR. It's like a team group dynamic. In some states, they can practice on their own. Other states, they have to be underneath an anesthesiologist. Like I said, in Colorado, we work at a lot of outpatient centers. You do a lot of blocks and then work all cases from open hearts to just general colonoscopies, just real simple stuff. Kind of what I started getting into with these boys, uh, the dental route, it's kind of a unique route and there's not a lot of CRNAs that do it. But the route that I chose, it's kind of you're just a private contractor. You go to different offices. It's very word of mouth kind of thing. It's like a fight club kind of thing. It's kind of how you find out about us. You ask your friends and we get into your office and put people to sleep. It's awesome. Nice. I think it's like a great thing that you're doing for dental because I think there's a lot of people that say, I want to do sedation. I'm a little worried to do it. Maybe I'll try oral conscious sedation, just give a few pills, and then they do it and they realize, gosh, this is a little bit more unpredictable. I wish people were a little more sedated. And I mean, for doing the surgical stuff, I think oral conscious is a little light for the, the kind of surgeries that we're performing. But what have you seen? Are you working with a lot of dentists? Like, why does this typically work and why is this so cool? What I was going to say about the oral conscious thing, I get called into a lot of offices for that exact reason. They're like, we tried some oral conscious stuff. It wasn't working with our patients. We couldn't get them deep enough. They didn't respond to it. They need to kind of bring in a specialist to get them a little bit deeper. What I get to do is IV sedation. So it's a titratable anesthetic. It's a lot more predictable. You can take them to different levels that you want to. And for like the big surgeries, the all on X's, those things are definitely something that a CRNA should be used for. Kind of what I'm working with these guys with is teaching dentists how to do cases where they're doing wisdom teeth, you're doing implants, where you kind of need that extra anesthetic from the oral conscious, but you're not at the level of depth that you would need to bring a specialist in. Nice. Terry, Dan, you guys want to add anything about like what this has been like for you guys experience-wise? So working <laughs> with like a guy like Ryan, it's kind of like bringing the true gangsters in. <laughs> I would say because you can do oral sedation, right? You can kind of play with the meds, but you don't have no control over what level of sedation, right? You might just like snow the patient, give them way too much, and they're zonked out, and they're like in a deep level of sedation. Like that's not safe, right? So bringing safety to the office, there's 
times you need someone like Ryan and there's some times that you don't need someone like Ryan in your practice. I think that's a really cool thing to figure out in your private practice. Like when do I bring the gangster in, right? Maybe my double arch zygoma cases, right? You get some hard cases or medically complex ones where you need a gangster like that on your side. And then I think the cool part about sedation is figuring out the in-between portion, right? How do I use the meds in my own private practice to keep patients safe and keep at least the most amount of sedation in the office instead of bringing someone in, right? Because as we know, when people get popular and we let more and more people know about Ryan, we can't get into our own practices. (laughs) So we try not to tell too many people about him because we get a little nervous that we won't see him. (laughs) Yeah. And then from my end, I learned a lot. I do IV sedation pretty regularly in my practice, but I also like having my CRNAs come in and picking their brain. And a lot of them will share the information. They'll say, oh yeah, by the way, when you see this, you can talk about glycopyrrolate. Or if you do this, then this is how you mix your Presidex and here's the amount of mics you want to give. It just helps you get better as a clinician. And so I can actually do the surgery and I can pick Ryan's brain while he's doing the sedation. And then I go and I try a version of that with obviously whatever's legal in my state. And then I kind of see, and I can come back and bring him in from my next complex surgery and then pick his brain again and say, hey, when I thought this, this, and this, and I've just got better as a result of my CRNAs coming into practice and my sedations are easier, more predictable, and just, just so much cleaner for, for me and the patient. Now, this is something that you're offering at Colorado Surgical Institute. Like, so what is it? Like, let's talk about, I guess, why somebody would want to do it and what the program's like, and let's talk about sedation. Yeah, so the program in itself I'll just do bird's eye view. It's essentially getting people credentialed in their own states. Now, there's a few states that we can't work with. So if you guys are interested, reach out to us. We can work with the vast majority of states. And we've already talked to all the boards. And we, we know how to, to get you guys credentialed in your own state. Secondarily, you do some virtual courses. So we try to be as respectful of your time, let you do some work at home. If you got some kids, it helps. And then also traveling is tough nonetheless. There are going to be two in-person meetings. So one where you'll come in and we do some ACLS, Ryan, myself, some other GPs who are sedation docs will do some lectures and we just go over how to be safe and how to implement this in your practice. And then the last meeting is live patient sedations. And the cool thing about what we're doing is going to be very different than I think a lot of other programs out there is we're going to be having you guys sedate actual surgical patients that are coming through Colorado Surgical. So the docs who are doing their surgeries in terms of wisdom teeth and implants and bone grafting and whatnot, you'll be sedating that case versus sedating a bunch of patients for profies where you don't really get to see all the effects and how to handle these things. Brian, me and Dr. Brisky just kind of finished our alpha class and it went off super smooth. Like, I mean, it could not have been done any better. I mean, maybe there was like one piece of paperwork that needed to get rewritten, but outside of that, it was like the smoothest freaking course that I could have imagined happening. So I'll hand it off to Ryan. I mean, I'm super appreciative that he's part of it. And yeah, Ryan, why don't you just chat about kind of your experience during the alpha class? Yeah, I was going to say they came in, um, everybody was super nervous. It's like, I've never done this. I've thought about doing this in my practice. How's it going to work? What's it going to look like? And this is everything from starting the IV in your patient to taking them through the entire procedure. So we're teaching you how to start IVs. We're teaching you how to do blood draws on them. And it's just a matter of teaching 
effective ways to do things. There's a lot of tips and tricks I've kind of learned throughout my course in anesthesia. So I have a lot of insight knowledge to offer these people. I feel like our alpha class did awesome. I mean, they were just killing it. They wanted to get in gung-ho. Nobody was shy about doing anything. You know, we're starting IVs on each other. Then we got the patients in, we're doing blood draws, IVs, then we get into the meds, we get to how the medications work, you get to see real time how the medications work, their onsets, their offsets, what happens with people, kind of the complications they can get into. It's just a great experience, I think, in a safe environment. It's an environment that if there are any emergencies, I'm around to help out and fix these things. It's great. I'm curious, Ryan, if you could touch on it. You mentioned a lot of people were nervous. I think for me personally, like I do oral conscious and IV has been something I've wanted to get into. But then there's that part that says, gosh, I don't know if I want to do this. I'm doing the dentistry too. I don't know if I want to do two things at once. I'm kind of nervous. Why don't you talk about like the safety a little bit and I guess just kind of demystify it because I think a lot of the nerves that people have is just lack of understanding of what actually is going on and what the meds and what's happening. Absolutely. No, I think that was a big part of it too. And what you kind of start to learn is every med that you're able to give during these procedures, there's typically a reversal for. So we teach you the dosages to use at a low pace. So you'll kind of give a little dose, see what happens, give another little dose. You're not giving these big boluses to people and and just knocking them out. You're drifting them off into a sedative state, essentially. And then if you do run into issues, we have the reversals available and drawn up. So If you do sedate somebody a little bit, give them a reversal, bring them back. So it is a safe thing. I think what they're kind of realizing is it's a little bit easier than what they expected. I think it's a big thought in your head, like there's a lot going on. But once you really get into it, you kind of see, okay, when you give a little bit of med, this is how it works. And I have some time to get the procedure done. And then I can give a little bit more. And then that leads into a little bit more time to do the procedure. So it's not like a really rushed thing to where it's chaotic. I think it's a very controlled way to do procedures. It's great for them to see on live patients. I think that's the thing that we offer that's the best is that they actually get to see what it would look like in their office if they were doing it just themselves. What do you think about the whole idea? Like, I'm just curious, somebody who's learning how to do this, what do they stay away from? I mean, we would say like maybe every, I don't know how many people plus 50 are on hypertensive meds and SSRIs, stuff like that. Like if we learn how to do this, is this something we can typically do a lot of cases ourselves, Or is this something where it's like, hey, like maybe you should punt this one, the medical history. Like how complicated does the medical history need to be before it's like, okay, maybe this is for the CRNA, not for us? So what you're starting to look at is we're looking at ASA classification patients. In your office, you just want to stick with the ASA 1 and 2s. If you get an ASA 3 patient where they do have multiple things going on, you want to bring in a specialist for sure, 100%. Even those ASA 2s, sometimes they can be a little bit tricky. If you have a patient that's got really bad asthma, a patient that's got sleep apnea, these are patients that you kind of want to be a little bit more weary of. But typically, if you're doing a short procedure, you have a healthy patient, you have somebody just with some anxiety. I think that's what our class is really teaching is you're treating the anxiety of the patient. You're not treating the movement of the patient. You're not just trying to put them completely asleep to where they're not moving. You're just treating their anxiety. It's a really safe way to do anesthesia. And with those patients that are a little bit healthier, it's easy to do in your office yourself. Yeah, I think typically a lot of people picture that these people are completely out and they're not conscious, they're not maintaining airway, and but they're still communicable and you can talk to them. Yeah, it's wild. When you're doing the anesthetic the way that we're teaching it, the patient's able to interact with you still. If you ask them to open their mouth, if you ask them to bite, they can still do it. 
But then when the procedure's over and you've given time for those meds to wear off, it's like that person was sleeping the entire time. They don't remember any of it. It's kind of like they were just in a daydream, essentially. So it's pretty cool. I mean, if you run into any issues, you can just tell that person, hey, take a deep breath, and they'll be able to do it. They're not completely zonked. Like when you were to bring me in to do a double arch where I'm putting them to a state where I'm kind of handling more airway issues. Yeah, I remember just oral conscious with triazolam, my wife, and taking out number 31. She vertically fractured it. And she's, I don't feel it. I'm like, you do, I can tell. She's like, I just want more. I'm like, I gave her more. So then she came home after, and she went to sleep for like three hours. And she got up, she went and got her nails done, came back, seemed pretty normal, and then went to bed and woke up the next day. And she's like, when the hell did I get my nails done? I'm like, really? I'm like, like you went. Like You said you were fine. She's like, I don't remember any of it. I'm like, shit. Like, well, I'm glad it worked out. Damn. Yeah. Like, she was like baffled. She's oh. like, I went. I went. She's like, I drove myself. I'm like, yeah, you said you were cool. Like, I just trust. Yeah. I thought, I guess I shouldn't have. Like, what the hell? Yeah, man. Drugs are crazy, man. They're crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, everyone. This is Dr. Tyher doing Colorado Surgical Institute. Dr. Brisky and myself have really enjoyed doing these podcasts with Dr. Etch and talking about everything clinical. So keep your guys' feedback coming. It really helps us curate what we're going to be talking about on the podcast. If you want to learn how to do live patient surgeries and actually do the work yourself with the guidance of Dr. Brisky and myself, come out and see us. We're in northern Colorado. We're just north of Denver, and we can have you do anything from single implants to wisdom teeth to IV sedation to oral sedation, bone blocks and GBR and sinus lifts, vertical and lateral, and full arch with the whole digital workflow using photogametry, 3D printers, mills, and all of the above. So we're here to help. Reach out to us. You can call Chris Richards, our director, at 970-420-6148, and he will definitely have a hero discount for you guys because we love Paul and we love DPH. All right, so to hair, like you've done this, like what's the implementation like this into your practice? It's slow. It's just almost like you give your meds, it's the implementation is slow. You don't go jump in there and start sedating everyone right off the bat. What I really like about it is that I'm able to draw my PRF off the IV. And Ryan, what we can maybe do is if anyone reaches out to us, we can show you the products and things we use. And I made a post on DSN and the Dental Nachos page about all of that in our protocol on PRF. But in that, it has a lot of our IV equipment and armamentarium as well. But what I like to do is like start low and slow, like learn how to place an IV and just draw blood from it. Or if you have a patient who comes in in an acute infection type of scenario, like I just give them antibiotics through the bag. Because sometimes if someone has GI issues, if you take the pills and it goes via the enteral route, you can have all those negative effects of the homeostasis of the GI system and the, the bacterial loads and whatnot. But if you go through the IV, it bypasses that and it doesn't necessarily mess with people's guts. So I have people who come in with infections and I'll just give them some steroids and some maybe some Toradol and some IV ANSEF all mixed into the bag or whatever the case may be. And then I'll start with my wisdom teeth patients. They're very healthy. They're ASA1. These kids are very resilient. And obviously when I say kid, I don't mean 12 year old. I mean like 16, 17, 18, and, and pretty big in terms of size. They're not like little petite, soaking wet, 80 pound people. And just start really low, really slow. Do your wisdom teeth, place your single implants, do some socket preservation. I think anything under a two hour appointment is, is something that you can consider. Because once you start breaching two hours, and maybe Ryan can speak to this, is I've just noticed you start to lose them with Versed and fentanyl. And maybe if you have Presidex in your comfort zone, that helps a lot to level them out. 
I feel like you should clarify what you mean by losing them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, just, thank you. Thank you for the clarification. Millions of people yeah. listening in their car size just got really big, and they're like, oh, no. You, what, you lost them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Losing the ability to keep them comfortable in a moderate level of sedation where their feet start fidgeting and things like that. Yeah. They're not turning blue and purple and gray. Okay. I'm glad for we, everyone listening, that I'm not losing them. It's not ER. I'm not calling a code. Um, but thanks Paul for pointing that out. Yeah, no, they kind of hit that wall after two hours to where it's like, if you give a little bit more, it's not really as effective anymore. You get to that point where they get antsy and there's just not a way to really get them back comfortable. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then you'll hit that point and there's like literally no more Versed you can give them, no more fentanyl you can give them to have them calm down and it's just it's game over at that point and if your procedure is not done i mean it's kind of like being in a rodeo you got to try to finish up because you can't leave them that way if you're in a state where presidex is good and you know how to use it and we can talk about some of the negative effects because it has a bad rap and ryan's taught a very nice way of low and slow and i've been using it since ryan taught me and dude it levels them out and it's really nice and especially how you mix it and how you go through that that would be great to kind of touch base on what I will say is, though, with Presidex use, make sure you're very comfortable with IV and fentanyl and Versed first, and you have your reps and you're good at all those other things before you try to tinker with it. It's like, consider it like the full arch of implants. If you're placing a single implant, you're not doing full arch just yet. If you just started IV sedations, you're not using Presidex just yet, just for clarity. So, Ryan, you want to talk about Presidex, what that is? Basically, it is an alpha agonist. When you use it in conjunction with your Versed and your fentanyl, what it does is it kind of magnifies the effects of the drugs to where it makes them smoother. So you don't see big drops in blood pressure. You don't see the swing of that patient waking up and getting tired and waking up and getting tired. It just kind of levels everything out. It makes them kind of just not really care anymore about anything. It's like the ideal drug. And when you titrate it down and you're using lower amounts on patients, it just gives you that nice, even keel, relaxed state. What a lot of people worry about is the bradycardia that is reported from it. And that does happen on occasion, but that's usually when you're giving bigger boluses. So the way we teach it is when you're using just those little increments and you're doing it slow, you don't see those huge swings in heart rate. So that fear kind of is alleviated with a lot of people once they see like, oh, okay, this patient's not going to drop down to 15 beats per minute in two seconds. If you do see a little bit of dip in your heart rate, it's five to 10 beats per minute. So it's just kind of learning that. And then once you get comfortable with seeing kind of how the med works with your other medications, you kind of can figure out it's a great drug to just add to your arsenal for those patients that are a little bit extra anxious. Out here in Colorado, we have a lot of marijuana use. So those patients don't always respond to Versed and fentanyl the best. You kind of need that extra like, Reach out to us well, what else can I give them? And that is one we'll that just hits that receptor up. that just it works great. It's just a great drug. I want to get that in my arsenal. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. Man. It's, it's great. And it's also a medication that doesn't depress, decrease your respiratory rate. So it doesn't cause you to not want to breathe like every other drug that we give. It's like your body just responds normally to it physiologically. So it's great. It's awesome. Awesome. All right. So we're coming up on time to hair brisky. Like talk about the course. Like it's coming up. Like what can people expect? When is it happening? So anybody can sign up right now. Like I said in the beginning of the episode, we do virtual 
for your first and second, which makes the timing really easy because you can get started on it earlier. You can start knocking out all this stuff at home. You don't have to wait till the last minute can and I start procrastinate tonight? and just, you can start tonight if you want, Paul. Wow. Like, yeah. Yeah. Night. <laughs> get your cup of coffee, your beer, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Just take good notes. There's quizzes. My arsenal all that or my, my Presidex. My Presidex. <laughs> yeah, you get your Presidex. Your Presidex. Yeah, you... <laughs> <laughs> we already covered chapter three, man. So yeah. you can sign up and do your virtuals now. And then, yeah, we do in-person. So we time our in-person with our surgical courses. So you get reps on that. I think the real cool thing about it, and I might have said this already, is when you're a surgical student and IV students are in the room, you're also getting knowledge through osmosis because you're hearing and seeing them do their thing. And if you're an IV doc in a surgical room, you're still getting the knowledge from a surgical perspective in the room. I like it when everyone's teamed up together because everyone just kind of co-collaborates on the cases. So... I would say if you're interested in IV sedation, reach out to us. Every state is a little bit different. We have it dialed in for the vast majority of them. If you ask for Chris Richards, he will definitely guide you through everything. And we got a few spots. We don't oversell the IV course because we're very intentional about getting you the experience to stay safe and have it be implementable in your practice. So this one, we really do limit the availability on. But Hey, Paul, on the last day of our sedation rounds, the doctors turned from being concerned about their sedations to peeking at the surgery, trying to get all surgical tips. It's pretty funny. They're comfortable and they're, <laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah, I got this part. What's going on over yeah. there? They're like, hey, you're not in the wisdom tooth class or the implant class, or the, right? but they're picking up a lot of cool tips. It's pretty funny to see that swing. A yeah, little buy one, get one. Get some value. Free <laughs> stuff. Nice. All right, guys. Thanks so much. ColoradoSurgicalInstitute.com. And we'll talk to you next time. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Dune from Colorado Surgical Institute. Just wanted to give you guys a shout out and let you know about the program. We have full arch surgeries, we have lateral sinus lifts, we have block grafting courses, all done in one weekend with the whole digital workflow with photogametry units, scanners, 3D printers, milling, you name it, anything regarded to full arch, we cover in depth. We also have a PGCA course. What that is, it's the Postgraduate Clinical Accelerator course where we are going to be covering wisdom teeth, single implants, and it can be complex single implants with vertical sinus lifts. We'll also be covering full arch extractions with ridge reduction, bone grafting, PRP, suturing, and we also will have a course on socket preservation. So if you guys are interested in any of those courses, please reach out to us at Colorado Surgical Institute. The code is...